Hello, my name is Carl Lloydhauser. I am the senior pastor of Grace Community Church, and I am so excited that you are with us on this podcast. We also want you to get connected in a church family. If you don't have a local church, check us out at gracemontrose.org. We want to make sure that you have an opportunity to grow and connect with God. But we pray that these next 25, 30 minutes that you spend with us are powerful, that God meets you and speaks to you because he loves you so much. All right, let's start uh, with prayer if we can. So, Holy Spirit, we need you right now. We invite you to speak to us, that you would open all of our hearts, Lord, that you'd show each of us what you want us to learn, Lord, where you want to meet us and change us. And, and Lord, we, we, we just are hungry for you, Lord. Thank you that you're with us now. Thank you that you love every single one of us uh, with a love that's so passionate, it, it looks reckless, Lord. I just thank you for your deep love for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks. So we're in this uh, series right now uh, called Timeless Truth. And, and as we were preparing for this, as we were mapping out the calendar for the year, we thought, you know, uh, things are a little unsettled. And some of the things that we look to and that we've stood on and that we've expected, we can't expect anymore. And the world's changing and it's going a little bit crazy. And so we said, you know what, though? We got to go back to the timeless truths, these things that we know that we can stand on. And so in times of change, in times of confusion, that's where we go. We go back to these ancient truths that are true, just as true today as they were uh, 1,500, 2,000, 3,500, well, not 1,500, there's no Bible that's written 1,500, 2,000, 3,500 years ago that, um, that God spoke to us. And so we're looking at the wisdom of Proverbs in this series. We're going to look a little bit at Song of Songs, and we're going to see these powerful truths that bring us uh, forward here. And so one of the things that we're going to look at today is pride. And so you probably have heard someone say pride comes before the fall, right? Well, that's actually from Scripture. It's Proverbs sixteen eighteen. We also see it in Peter and in James as well. And uh, the truth is, is don't we kind of like to see that in action in other people's lives? You know, like you ever watch like a fight and the guy is, you know, the boxing match or, and he's like, you know, taunting him and dancing around and the guy just knocks him out. You're like, yeah, right. Kind of deserve that. We like to see it happen to other people, but we're not so excited when it happens to us. I remember years ago, before I lived here, I was driving out to Los Angeles from Denver, and uh, you know, there's that section between Grand Junction and Green River where there, there's just nothing there, right? Nothing. So I've just put the hammer down, and I was flying past these cars and uh, just moving, passing and passing. But you know what? Actually, there is something out there. State troopers are out there. <laughs> and so they pulled me over, and uh, all those cars that I went flying by, you know, you just know that they were like, ah, Ah, hello, gotcha. So I found a little video last uh, week. Uh, Ken did a great job. Uh, and he showed us uh, a video of people who just were acting without wisdom. I found a, a similar for one for us. Actually, Jeff helped me uh, for this weekend. And this is uh, kind of shows when people are like, they kind of get what they deserve, right? The, the, the fall comes after their pride. Let's go ahead and show that one, please. <laughs> Get this uh, tree frog to jump on my son. 
<laughs> I love her reaction. She was trying so hard, just came back on her. So we kind of like what had happened to other people. And you know, another passage uh, in Proverbs uh, says that God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So in, in a culture right now where we talk a lot about pride, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Now, it's one thing to kind of be outside, you know, okay, God, you do it your way, I'm going to do it my way. But it's another thing to say, okay, now God is against me. I mean, if there's one place I don't want to be, it's to have God against me. The creator, the almighty one, the Lord of lords, the king of kings, to be against me. He opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And the heart of pride is to insist I'm going to have it my way, that I'm, I'm going to ignore the will of God, I'm going to set the will of God to the side, and we're going to go in the way that I want to go. And we're going to look actually right now at two passages where we see, I think, the beginning of pride. And it started with Satan. And so if you have your Bible, we're going to look at two passages, one in Ezekiel and one in Isaiah. Now just a, a little explanation about both these passages. So in Ezekiel, there's a prophecy that God brings to the prophet Ezekiel, and he's talking to the king of Tyre. Now, there are some theologians who would say, well, this has nothing to do with Satan. There's many theologians that would say this actually has a lot to do with Satan. And the way that I look at it, the, my thoughts on this one, is that God is speaking to the king of Tyre. And he's like looking at him, but he's also kind of looking through him, speaking to Satan at the same time. I mean, because who's behind all pride? Who's behind sin, right? And so I actually think this is describing both the king of Tyre and also speaking to Satan. And you're going to see some things in these passages that make sense for an earthly king, but don't make sense for an earthly king. And some things that make sense for an earthly king, but don't make sense for Satan. And I think what we see is that God is talking to both of them. In Isaiah, it's actually the king of Babylon. In Ezekiel here, it's the king of Tyre. So I believe this is explaining what happened with Satan when pride first entered the universe. Okay, so here we are in Ezekiel 28, verse 12. And so God says to Ezekiel, son of man, take up a lament concerning the king of Tyre and say to him, this is what the sovereign Lord says. You are the model of perfection. I think we're talking about the enemy here. I think because, you know, Satan was an angel created by God. And you were the, the model of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, you were in paradise, the garden of God. Every precious stone adorned you, ruby, topaz, emerald, chrysolite, onyx, and jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and beryl. Your settings and mornings, excuse me, and mountings were made of gold. On the day you were created, they were prepared. You were anointed as a guardian cherub. For so I ordained you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked among the fiery stones. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created until wickedness was found in you. Through your widespread trade, you were filled with violence and you sinned. So I drove you in disgrace from the mountain of God. And I expelled you, O guardian cherub, from among the fiery stones. Your heart became proud. There it is right there. Your heart became proud on account of your beauty. And you corrupted your wisdom. I mean, isn't that what pride does? That God gives us such beautiful, amazing things and truth and it corrupts it because of your splendor. So I threw you to the earth. I made a spectacle of you before kings. And it really reminds me of Luke 10, 18, when Jesus says that I saw Satan fall like lightning 
And it fits right with that passage. And so now let's go over to Isaiah. And we see a similar thing. And now again, so the prophet Isaiah is talking to the king of Babylon. And I also think he is speaking of Satan at the same time. And it's Isaiah 14, verse 12. And it says, How you have fallen from heaven, O morning star, son of the dawn. You have been cast down to the earth, you who once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, I will ascend to the heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly on the utmost heights of the sacred mountain. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. Now, did you see right there, there's two verses. And in two verses, we hear this one phrase five different times. I will. Satan says, I will ascend. I will raise. I will sit enthroned. I will ascend above the tops. I, and here's the big one, I will make myself like the most high God. Now I want to go over to James, just look at another little passage here about this whole idea of who will, I will, and whose will is it. So let's look at uh, James 4, 13. Now this is to us, this isn't uh, speaking about Satan, but it says, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why? You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Now catch this. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will. If it is the Lord's will, not I will, not we will. If it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast and brag, and such bragging is evil. So here's the thing that I see in this passage that so much pride is my will. I will. It's to set aside the will of God and to choose our will instead. And so here's just a little tool for life here. Before you say, I will, ask whose will? Before you say, I will, ask whose will? I will quit my job. Wait a second, whose will? Is it your will or God's will? I will move to wait. Okay, hold on. Okay, maybe you're supposed to move. Wait, whose will? I will achieve this. Is that whose will? Is this your will or God's will? What an important question that keeps us out of pride, that keeps us on the right path. Before you say, I will, ask whose will? It's because when I talk about pride, Probably when, when you, as soon as you heard that we were going to talk about pride today, you started thinking about hubris. You started thinking about kind of raising ourselves above other people, looking down on others, you know, thinking that we're better than. And, and that's certainly, I mean, that, that's pride. And we have to be, we have to run from that and flee from that. But that actually, I don't think that's your problem. I mean, I know so many of you, and I know you to be people who are gracious and kind and loving and people who are ready to lift other people up. See, the heart of pride that you and I think we have to be so careful of, it's so much more subtle. And it's simply this, it's just to move God out of the way so we can do it our own way. And it started with Satan. I mean, what's the very first promise that Satan gives Eve? He says, okay, if you do this, what's going to happen? The very first promise of sin, you will be like God. Where have we heard that before? I mean, isn't that what was in Satan's heart? I will ascend to be like the Most High. And Satan comes to us with the same trap, the same lie. I will be like God. I will be in charge. 
I will do it my way. And this is why God opposes the proud but gives grace to those who come under his ways in humility. And this is why you and I are always in danger of pride. This is why I know I'm talking to you and I'm talking to me because it just creeps in. It's so easy to say, no, okay, not your will, but my will. It's the opposite of Jesus. I mean, if anyone had the right to exert himself, it's Jesus, the one whom through all things were made. And he's in the garden. And what does he say to God? Not my will, but thine be done. And what do you and I say? What does this world say? Not thy will, but mine be done. And it's heartbreaking how quickly we'll just put away the things of God. How ready we are to move in our will. And it's a horrible form of pride that causes so much destruction. You think about just the church. So so God comes and and he gives his laws and his commands and his chosen people. And what do they do? What do the Israelites do? They create 634, I think, rules around the rules. They build up all this religion like, I will, I can, I will, I'll do. And then Jesus comes and he just rips it all down. He says, no, no, not your will, my will. Come and know me and walk with me. And then Jesus, he ascends. And what does the church do for the next 1,500 years? In his name, starts doing the exact same thing. Building rules, building religion, building these barriers between us and God. Saying, you know what, your way's good, but we've got a little better way here. We've got a little more complete way. And so 500 years ago, God sends Martin Luther to, to just rip that down and say, no, no okay, we're, we're going to get rid of the religion. We're going to come back to the word. We're going to come back to the grace of the gospel. And what do we do after that? We spend the next 500 years dividing and splitting and creating denominations and denominations. Why? Saying, because it's my will, my way. How ready we are to set ourselves on the throne. What a dangerous thing that we do. We separate because we have to have it our way. And so I'm really, I'm not too worried about you putting yourselves over others. I just, I don't see that in you. But I am so concerned about our tendency to put aside the will of God to have our way. And you have to understand that's pride. It's dangerous pride. I mean, we see it all the time. In his word, God says, okay, intimacy, that's for the context of a man and woman in in marriage. And we say, yeah, okay, but you know what? I can also find it here. It's pride. God says, find refreshing, find life, find your comfort in my spirit, in my presence. And we say, yeah, okay, but you know what? I can also find it in my phone. And I can also find it here and I can find it there. And it's pride. And God says to me, he says, Carl, okay, you find your identity, find who you are, find your worth and value in who you are in me, that you're my child. And I say, yeah, okay, God, I, I can do that, but I also can find it in what I do. It's pride. See, it begins with my will be done. And you know where it goes from there? It goes insane from there. It goes crazy. And just leaves a wake of destruction. I mean, why is the world so insane right now? Because we keep saying, my will, my will, my will. And each time we do, destruction comes. Heartache comes and pain comes. Not thy will, but mine. We can do things better. We can build great, wonderful things. And we leave destruction in the wake. So Proverbs shows us 
our pride. You know, as I, I was looking at Proverbs, I, I read every passage that had anything to do with pride in Proverbs, and I found over and over again that pride has a lot more to do with talking than it has to do with listening. Proverbs 14.3, it says, a fool's mouth lashes out with pride. The mouth just keeps moving, but the lips of the wise protect them. And you see other passages in Proverbs that, that connects pride with mocking and with tearing other people down and destroying with your mouth. And it's all in Proverbs. I mean, have you ever heard anyone say, I am so sick of how he listens to me all the time? Right? Now, have you ever heard someone say, well, her constant seeking to understand and how she always empathizes with other people and how she just hears everyone. It just shows how arrogant she is. Right? Pride comes here. Pride can't listen. I mean, you know it's true. Think about it. You've got relatives, you've got friends, and they are proud. And what's their problem? They can't hear, they can't listen. See, humility has to do with stopping and listening. It's a great safeguard. If you want to avoid pride, just stop. Listen, God, what do you say? I will listen to you. You know, I've been convicted lately that, that my quiet times with God, you know, the times that I'm praying with him, you know, it's supposed to be a conversation. And it's a pretty one-sided conversation. I think God must say, Carl, do you ever stop talking? Can I say something? Yeah, in just a minute, God. Let me just, just wait and listen. You ever listen before God? Ever listen to what he has to say to you? It's a great safeguard with other people. Stop and listen to what they have to say here. Here's the wisdom of Proverbs here. If pride is a problem, stop using this and start using these. Open your heart. God, what might you say to me? Even through people that you don't respect, even through people who you don't listen to, can you just wait and say, okay, no, wait a second. Let me just hear. Humble yourself to think maybe God's even talking through them. See another ancient truth in Proverbs regarding pride. It's something like this. Pride often wins but almost always at the wrong things. I mean, does it, does it drive anyone else crazy that like pride people, the proudful people, they, they seem to always win, right? They just, they make it to the top and the, all the, they just win, win, win. Arrogant people keep winning, but here's the thing, they're winning at the wrong things. Proverbs 29, 23, pride brings a person low, but the lowly in spirit gain honor. See, the things that are important you can't get to through pride. Pride will not get you there. Your strength will not get you to the things that really matter. There's one way to get to the things that you really need. There's one way to get to the things of God that are eternal, and it's humility. It's to come before him, Holy Spirit, I need you. Help me. See, but the thing is, we want to make our mark, right? That's why pride comes up. Speaking of making our mark, I went to... Um, a number of weeks ago, I was on Highway 93 on the way up to, uh, through uh, Loma, up to Dinosaur there, and there's this area called Canyon Pintado, and, and there's a bunch of pictographs there. And you can stop, and there's five or six different areas where you just pull off, and you can see these amazing artifacts. And so you go, and the first one's called Waving Hands. And so I pulled over, and I took a look at it, and there's these big white hands that are up on the rock that I think, uh, if I remember right, they were put there about 1,500 years ago by Native Americans. It's pretty cool. like, Wow. And so I was thinking about, wow, there's some guy who was just 
like right here, living here and hunting here and thinking about his struggles. And then I looked a little closer and then someone else li- li- made their mark. And somebody wrote in, live to furt, F-E-R-T, and furt to live. And I was like, oh my gosh. So a thousand years from now, people are going to look at this and they're going to say, okay, wow, look at those hands of Native Americans. And they're going to think about our generation and our mark that we live. We can't even spell right. And how embarrassing. And we're living to furt? I mean, that's what we're about? I was just like, ah, that's the wrong mark. See, that's what pride does, is it leaves the wrong mark. Congratulations. I mean, you closed the deal, and you did it in your pride. And as you closed the deal with your proud attitude, you lost everyone's respect along the way. Congratulations. You are the best in the Western Slope. You are top of your industry. But because of your pride, you are at the bottom of your family. Congratulations, you're the best athlete out there on the field, but you're the biggest jerk off of it. Pride wins at the wrong things. Listen, don't be worried. Don't be so concerned when the pride, the proudful win. Don't worry about it. Listen, they're winning at the wrong thing. Don't even wish for them to fall. Remember what really matters. And I think if you do that, actually, instead of hoping that they go down, you're going to hope that they repent. You're going to pray, oh Lord, turn their hearts because they're missing it all. Lord, don't let me be fooled. Don't let me be sucked in by what their pride is leading them to. I don't want that. I want you. So what do we do when we see this pride in ourselves? when we see it starting to well up? You know what doesn't work? To beat yourself down. That's what we do. Anybody else do that? You know, you just see it. You're like, oh, wow, I sense the pride. I feel the pride. So you start to say things like, oh, I'm just a dork. I'm, I'm, I'm an idiot. I'm the worst. I'm such a loser. That doesn't work. First of all, because you don't believe it. But the second thing is that false humility, it's actually worse than pride. Because false humility makes you think you're getting somewhere where you're getting nowhere. And when you're doing that and you're, you're just beating on yourself, you, the problem is you're still focusing on yourself. So pride is actually little steps. Pride is just small steps of humility. Small steps of sacrifice and laying it down and saying, okay, God, I want to do it your way. See, self-deprecation is still focused on self. But pride makes these little choices where you say, okay, I'm going I'm to actually elevate another person in this. It's just I'm going to act in the opposite. Like I want to do this, I feel this, but instead I'm going to bless them. Instead I'm going to submit to God's will in the midst of this. See, humility actually pays attention to the little details. Pride is too consumed with ourselves to care about the details, right? Can't bother with that. But humility comes and says, oh, actually, you know what? That person's important. That thing is important. This weight is important. So here's some steps. If you want to get out of pride, the first thing that, that you do is just ask for his will, right? Because if his pride is going around his will, then the opposite is to ask for his will. But reveal your will in this. Show me your way. Show me what you want to do in the midst of this. To ask for God's help, it's to act in the opposite of pride. I need help. God, I am open to the possibility that I am wrong right now. I was talking to a a pastor who ministers in the States, but he came from Uganda. And he said, you know, when I first came to America, I was amazed. I was amazed at how the American church does so much and prays so little. And he said, how do you guys expect to get anything done that's worthwhile? 
How do you expect to see God move if you don't constantly humble yourself in prayer? How do you expect to see God work in your family? How do you expect God to move in the ones that you love, to do something that really matters through your activity without his power? How do you expect to see anything accomplished if we don't come down and we just humble ourselves and pray? See, prayer is an assault on our pride. It's to say, God, I need you. I need your will. Lord, I am in need. You know, I was um, skiing with uh, my daughters when they were little, and uh, I think we were at Breckenridge, and uh, you know, as you go, when they're first starting, you have to go down those catwalks, and it takes forever, and so we're going down the catwalk, and, and my girls are in front of me, and the snowboarder, he jumps out, and like, I think it was Mariah was right there, and he almost smushed her, but it was right behind her, and I was just like, mm. and then my sister-in-law was right next to me, and she said, get him, Carl. And so I started skating after him, and I went there, and I got him, and I was yelling at him, this high school kid. But you know what? Not once, not once in my prayer time ever have I come before God, I have never heard God say, get him, Carl. (laughs) Ever. Now, he has said, stand, resist, even confront, talk about that, but never get him. See, we come to God, and he gives us his strategy. He gives us his way just to humble ourselves, to stop for a second and say, God, what do you want to do? How do you want to deal with this, Lord? So we ask. The next thing we do is we seek. And it's not just to say, okay, I'll do it your way, God. It's to hunger, to thirst for righteousness. To be desperate for his will, Lord. Oh, I just need your will. It's the opposite of I've got this. It's the Lord, I need this. Please help me, God. I need you. Is there a place in your life where you see pride continue to come up? Well, here's your your prescription. In that area of your life, if you see pride come up, just seek God's will for that area. Just come before him in prayer and listen, Lord, what do you want me to do? I was talking to a, a person last night who was really, really skilled in her job. She said, is that pride that I just, I think I'm really good at what I do. And I'm like, no, no, no that's worship. You can take what you have and you, you can submit it to him and you can worship him by being really, really good at what you're at. But the pride comes when you start to elevate yourself So what you do then, I said, you know, if you're worried about pride, just take that skill that you have and submit it to God and say, what do you want to do with this? So maybe you're like, you're the best framer. You're just an amazing framer. It's always straight and it's fast. No one can frame like you. So you come instead of all pride and like, I got to be the best. You come and say, okay, Lord, what would you like to do with this? And then he says, teach someone else. Help someone else become better than you. Wow. You see what happens? See, this thing that was starting to get ugly, this thing that was starting to bring destruction, you submit it to God, and then he takes it and says, okay, I will take this, and he makes it beautiful again. And he does something wonderful with this thing that could have just led to your destruction. So if you're struggling with it, just say, God, I, I'm just struggling with pride right here. What do you want to do with this thing? Maybe it's your stuff. Maybe you've got like just this awesome classic car and you're so proud about it and you come before God and he'll tell you what every classic car owner does never, ever wants to hear, share it. Or how about this, sell it. Why, I can never sell that. Well, you know what? Selling it's better than being owned by it. Lord, what do you want? Next thing is we gotta see our pride. We gotta be honest with it. See your pride when it's there. I'll tell you, one of the passages that really challenged me it says, uh, Proverbs 4.34, God mocks proud mockers. It's like, ah. Do you know why? Because mocking is like, that's some of my best material. 
That's like some of the best stuff I got, right? I mean, that's I could get really funny mocking other people. God mocks proud mockers. Be careful. Be careful. You got to see it. Lord, okay, I thought it was funny, but actually it was arrogant. It's at someone else's expense. I'm sorry. Forgive me. I won't mock anymore. And you know the other thing is just to see him. Not just to see your pride, but to see him. To see him in all things. I heard, I was listening to a preacher now, and he said, so this is like to, to remove now, but he said that Mike Bickle said, so I don't know if Mike Bickle actually said this, but he said that the fastest way the easiest way, the most consistent way to walk in God's presence is to see him and to ask for more. Now, here's the thing about God's presence. When you are walking in God's presence, it is pretty difficult to be proud. When you're near God, there's just no room for pride. And so I was like, you know, that's pretty good advice. And so I actually, I started literally doing that. And it has been amazing to see God and to ask him for more. So, Lord, I feel peace right now. Thank you. Thank you for your peace. Can I have more? I was just on vacation with my family. I was like, oh, Lord, this unity, this connection with my family right now. This is you. Thank you. Can we have more? Lord, thank you for comforting my friend in the midst of this. Lord, can we have more? Can I see more comfort? Lord, I prayed for that guy, and you healed him. You did it, God. Can I see more? So right after I heard this, I was taking a walk, and I was over on uh, Niagara, over on the, uh, the east side of Niagara. And, and I like walking there because it's kind of high and you can see Utah as the sun's going down. And so I'm seeing all these colors and I just said, God, I see your beauty. Can I see more? And it's almost like he took, it, took my head and he just kind of turned it towards the San Juans. And I was like, oh God, I see your beauty. Can I see more? And literally, right as soon as those words came out of my mouth, this butterfly just like came right in front of my face. I was like, oh. God, I see your beauty. Can I see more? I looked over here and there was a flower. It was actually a weed, but it was flowering. And I was like, oh, God, I see your beauty. Can I see more? And I'm walking and I'm just like, oh my goodness. And I'll tell you what, there's no lie. By the time I was home, I was just weeping in his presence. I was like, I see you everywhere, Lord. You're just opening my eyes. Can I see more? This is your homework assignment. I don't know if Mike Bickle said to do it or not, okay? But listen, try it. I'm telling you. It'll change things. Go out there and just say, oh God, I see you. Can I see more? I see your hand right there. Lord, I want to see more. And it's amazing. If you do it, just try it. Try it. Just try it today. When you see God, Lord, I see that. Can I see more? And tell me, if you do that for a week, tell me, does it, does it not increase your joy? Does it not increase your humility, your connection with him? Just to recognize him everywhere you go is such a beautiful thing. So I want to just close right now with just a quick little ministry time. And I'm going to ask God, and, and um, I did this last night, and I just asked God to show me, is there any place uh, where I have pride that you want to deal with? And uh, I want to just challenge you to do that. And I'll tell you, I, I prayed last night, and he brought something to mind right away, and I said, ah, oh, no, that's not it. Then I waited for a few more minutes. And I was like, God, show me any place that has pride. And he brought the same thing to mind. I'm like, okay, anything except that. Brought it to mind again. I'm like, oh, shoot. There's pride there, isn't there, God? And so I had to just bring it before him. I'm actually kind of still working through it right now. I'm like, oh, Lord, I don't want to be proud in that area. 
I'm sorry, I didn't even know it was pride. I'm repenting of that, I'm turning from that. So I'm gonna actually ask God to do this. So it may not be fun, but listen, it's gonna be life-giving. And, and so if like when we pray this and we ask God to show us areas of our pride, he's not gonna tell you, well, you're just a big arrogant person. That's what Satan says. See, because Satan brings guilt and he brings shame and he doesn't bring you a way out of it. What God does is he brings these specific things to mind. Like the way that you talk to that person, the strategy that you're taking, the attitude that you have, these specific things that you could repent of, that's what he'll do right now. So I'm gonna ask, if you would just pray with me, okay? Just pray this, say, Lord, Lord, is there any area where I have pushed your will away so I could have my own way? Lord, is there any area of pride that you want to deal with? Okay, now, Lord, I just ask you to answer every single one of these prayers. Holy Spirit, I ask you to speak to every person, every single one of us, Lord, show us one area of pride. Just one thing that you want us to change. Come, Holy Spirit. More, Holy Spirit. Thank you that you're talking to us. Would you talk more? Okay, now this is what I want to I want to ask you to do. Now just pray this. Lord, show me how to act in the opposite. Show me what to do. What's my next step? Holy Spirit, please release strategies right now. Please just show us how to act in the opposite. Just release freedom, God, in life. Show us how to repent. Thank you, Lord. Father, I just thank you so much that you are all about freedom. You are all about life. Lord, I ask for forgiveness for my pride. Lord, I don't want uh, you to oppose me. I want to walk in your grace. So I ask, Lord, even though it's difficult, I ask that you would humble me. Lord, I would rather be embarrassed than proud. Lord, I would rather be broken than opposed to you. So I really do ask, God, whatever it takes, whatever it takes, Lord, to remove the pride from my heart. Lord, I would rather go through that difficulty, through that suffering, than to to walk contrary to your will and your heart. So Lord, I ask you would humble us. Lord, and I just pray that as we surrender our pride to you, God, that you would just lavish us with your grace. You would lavish us with your mercy. You would lavish us with your restoration. Lord, I thank you that it's so beautiful, Lord, to just come and surrender it to you, to surrender it all to you, our comfort, our flesh, our ways, our desires, our ego. We surrender them to you, Father, so that we can have the life that you give to us. So come, Lord, as we speak and as we sing right now, I just pray that you help us to surrender it all to find the life that you have in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for being with us. I hope that God spoke to you. We would love to follow up and care for you any way that we can. So come visit us at gracemontrose.org. Say hello. Let us know what we can do to help you grow in him. God bless you.